For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group. And I will start with you, Randy. How are you doing this fine Saturday morning? You know, I'm doing really well, Jeff. I will say this, I do have a little bit of an allergy deal that I have every year, but hey, we're going to get through this today. And if I I cough. Uh, I'll try to turn away. <laughs> you just cough. That's all there is to it. Well, I'm with you, Randy. I don't know if I've got the allergy thing going on. I think I got a little bit of a cold because I was on an airplane for a, a little bit. You know, when you're in a tube with like 180 other people, you're just going to pretty much get anything that those people have. But you know what they say, Randy, the show must go on. So you and I are troopers and we're going to stick with it here this morning. Jake, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm still a little bit starstruck by my half Iron Man dad sitting here next to me. He he did get his for those who have been following this journey a little bit, he did finish his half Iron Man in Galveston. Yeah. Uh, last week while we were gone and you know, I'm very proud of him. And he was yeah. he really did a good job and really maintained a good pace and, you know, finished it good and safely and again we're just tickled. Yeah, and I'm really proud of Randy, too. And, you know, I, I talk with Lisa, your your wife, Randy, and Jake, your uh, mom, and she just tells me, she's so funny, she says, I cry every time I look at that video on YouTube. Just what a wonderful man Randy is. But you guys had an entire team of people running. But for you, Randy, I mean, you and I are, you know, at the age where we can take Social Security. I don't know if we're going to put a, an exact number on it. But, I mean, that is a remarkable achievement that at your age, and as you said, you sat behind a desk for so many years, that this is has not been a lifelong thing for you, fitness. For you to be able to run an Ironman or a half Ironman like that is such an incredible achievement. What motivated you to do such a thing when you could just get in a little running, a little biking, and call it good? Premature death. Premature. <laughs> <laughs> you look good, though, coming across the finish yeah. line. You got a big smile on your face and everything, and it's like, wow, what is next for Randy after this? Yeah, I don't know, Jeff. I mean, it was a, it was really a pretty great experience. You know, it's a 1.2 mile swim, which I have to say that I wasn't really proud of the of the clarity uh, and the cleanliness of the water in Office Bay <laughs> down at Galveston. Yeah, I got out of there. I, the first thing I can see through my goggles is a lot of stuff floating in the water, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, this water is filthy. But anyway, yeah, right. we went ahead and swam 1.2 miles, and then we got on the bike. And I have to say, I've been riding bikes. It'll, in June, it'll be really five years since Jake yeah. uh, encouraged me to buy a bike and go out and start to ride and that ride that day was the most enjoyable ride that I think wow. I've had wow. to date and it was 56 miles and I just have to say it was really an enjoyable experience now the what was your, run, what was your average speed on that dad's 20 point something mm, I think it was right at 20 wow. it, it might have like been right slightly over yeah. uh, miles per hour which you That's know, it's fast. pretty decent for people that don't cycle on a regular basis. Twenty miles an hour, miles an hour may not seem like much, but for this old codger, it was pretty That's good. Twenty <laughs> miles an hour for six, fifty-six miles—that is amazing. Lots of people that can't do that. That probably yeah. puts you in the top half of that group at age sixty-six, which is very commendable. 
Yeah. So well, anyway, we, we got done with that, and then yeah. we uh, went out and got on the run, and it got pretty hot, you know, and I'm still peeling skin from the sunburn that I got <laughs> So uh, out there because, you know, I hadn't been exposed to the sun much here because it's been so cold here. But right. anyway, it was a great experience, and you asked what's next. So yeah, what's next? Well, I right, am, well, right now, he's just a half Iron Man. Yeah, that's right. I'm so just he's, half he's Iron. Half. The rest and, of me is 10. So for those that don't know, um, when you finish a full Ironman at the finish line, the guy says your name and he says, you are now an Iron Man. And, wow. Um, you know, I when I did mine, I didn't think that would affect me very much, but I do vividly remember mm-hmm. that moment crossing the finish line of the full Ironman nearly midnight after starting at 7 a.m. Wow. Uh, the game is much more mental than it is physical, although it has yeah. lots of physical benefits. Yeah. Crossing the finish line uh, has honestly very little to do with your physical capability. It's much more your mental. There's lots Mm. and lots and lots of fit people out there that quit. Right. You know, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack the conversation. Go ahead. No, so I'm seriously contemplating doing a full Ironman. Wow. Probably maybe in Florida. I've looked at all of them uh, around. Some of them have are fraught with jellyfish. You you have to swim with jellyfish on your face and things like that. So I'm not really looking forward to that one. But the one in (laughs) Florida is is an ocean swim. Right. 2.4 miles and then 112 mile bike and then a marathon. So yeah. I'm seriously contemplating doing that. That would be in like November, December of 2024. So yeah. take a little time off, get fully recovered and then get ready to go back after it and, and get it done. You know, you just got to keep going. You got to keep pushing forward, right? Yeah. Will a jellyfish attach to my face or a shark attached to my thigh? Yeah, those would be deal breakers too. So yeah. pick your venue carefully, Randy. <laughs> anyway, we're very proud of you. Everybody at Floyd Financial Group, very proud of you and very proud of the other participants too i believe there were six of you that did this uh i i don't know a lot of them do you want to maybe rattle off their names to give them a little yeah so we had yeah we had silas and eli and carver and kyle tyler and and tyler and myself and so silas did the best he got 90th overall out of around 2,000 participants and this was his first uh, half iron man so really did well most of the other guys did uh, in the five hour range which is really really good the complete uh, average for all triathletes, all age groupers, young to old, is six and one half hours. So wow. Silas did four hours and 49 minutes, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and to see their families and their kids waiting for them and all the post-race stuff, it really was heartwarming. So hats off and congratulations to all of you and for our listeners listening out there. You know, Jake let it slip there a little bit. He said Randy was 66. So, you know, if Randy can do this Ironman at age 66, now mind you, he didn't just, you know, jump in and do it. There was some training involved with it, too. You too can uh, get out and do a little exercise and get moving. And it doesn't mean that you have to run, bike, swim, or anything like that, but just keep the body moving. You're going to be a lot better for it when it comes to retirement. Or basically, I think it's really going to extend the rest of your life. But didn't want to take a few minutes here at the beginning of the show to acknowledge this great achievement, Randy. Kudos to you and kudos to the entire Floyd Financial team. Well, let's talk about what's going on in the world today, gentlemen. And I understand that money market funds, you know, still, what, 4.7%. Taiwan is doing some training exercises. I mean, there's just so much going on. I don't know where to start. Yeah, I think the Taiwan thing is a little bit scary because I think there's a lot of people underestimating what a Taiwanese invasion would mean. And as bad as the Ukraine invasion by Russia has been, it would be a very, very different story with Taiwan. So Taiwan produces about 92% of all the semiconductors on the planet come out of Taiwan, which means that anything that's computerized to any extent would cease to be produced during that event. So Mm -hmm. everything from your dishwasher to your car 
to computers, your watch, uh, your calculator. I mean, literally, in today's world, 80%, 90% of goods would cease to be produced. And wow. so that would, be a, that would be a major, major event. And again, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. However, if that does happen, when we get to the other side, it's going to be a gigantic buying opportunity and, and there will be tons of money to be made. But we need to have, you need to have somebody paying attention in times like these to what's going on in a portfolio, where you're exposed risk-wise, because this is one of those things that could get out of hand. Again, I hope it doesn't, and I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying if it does, you need to have somebody paying attention. Do you think somebody could corner the market on semiconductors for a while and cause a real problem? I'd like to see that happen. I don't think anybody's set up to do it. So there's a few things about Taiwan. So when it comes to semiconductors, the amount of transistors that you can put per square inch is kind of the measurement of how advanced your technology is. And so other than Taiwan Semiconductor Company, the smallest ones out there are four nanometers. So that's four billionths of a meter. Huh. Taiwan can get them down to two and they're working on a one. Wow. And so they're way ahead of everybody else over there. And for ramp up capacity for semiconductors and chips, this is one of the reasons they have such a corner on the market already. You know, Intel is estimating seven to 10 years to get their new plant online. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's certainly not like flipping a light switch. Now, do I think that if there's a prolonged invasion of Taiwan, which I'm not sure that that's likely even if they do invade, because I think a lot more of the world is going to get involved than has gotten involved with Russia and Ukraine. But if there's a one or two year occupation over there or something, or war zone, heaven forbid, yeah, I do think there will be people trying to work around that, but I don't think it's going to be very simple. I think it's going to be complicated. I think there's, I mean, the supply chain issues we saw before on semiconductors, again, I, I would... I think it'll be much, much worse in wow. that, in that uh, scenario. And again, you know, I'm not trying to be callous toward the people of Taiwan. Again, I really think they should be recognized as a sovereign nation. And they're, you know, if they want independence, they should be able to have it. And there's a lot of countries, including the Biden administration, that refuses to acknowledge that. But again, not to belittle them, but just from an economic standpoint in general, it would be it would be a, a major problem. But obviously, they are much more as a people than they are you know, their, their economic output. But I, again, I don't mean to reduce them to that. I yeah. just mean it is a major concern. Right. Do you think that Xi is in a, at a position or in a position where he could actually pull that trigger right now? Because not only would he damage the supply of the world, he's going to damage his own supply. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think the question is, you know, how far is he willing to go? And China has always done a good job projecting strength. They are a little bit like Russia in that where when people talk about China, you know, they're like, well, we, we can't mess with China because, you know, they produce all our goods and all that kind of thing. So that's a success on their part of making us perceive they're irreplaceable, which is not true. But, you know, a lot of it is the Biden administration just kind of lets them do whatever they want, whenever they want. I mean, they're basically running drills on taking over the nation over there. Wow, yeah. And we're just allowing them to do it. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're going to get to practice for two months, and we're not going to say anything or do anything. And they're like, okay, well, we feel good about this now. Now let's just go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
that's crazy, you know, and, and he has nothing even to say about it. He won't, he won't even speak the word China. You know, people are asking him about it, nothing. He doesn't want to talk about it. Well, yeah. I, again, we need to get a president. Man, it's, again, 18 months is a long time to wait yeah. for a new administration. But somehow we got to get to the other side of this and get somebody with a, with a backbone in office. Right. Well, this uh, situation with Taiwan and semiconductors, and I was looking it up as you were speaking, too. Smartphones have semiconductors in them as well, too. Where would you be without your smartphone these days? It's not just phone calls, but it is an extension of you and an interesting side fact there. The first cell phone call was made April 3rd, 50 years ago. It was 1973, and the man who invented it called his uh, competitors. Uh, I think it was Motorola who did it, called his competitors at Bell Lab and said, you know, I'm speaking to you on the first uh, <laughs> true cell phone, but it was 50 years ago, and where would we be without If you've ever lost your cell phone like I have every once in a while, I mean, you go into panic mode here for, you know, until you uh, find it. So, yeah, I mean, the Taiwan situation with semiconductors, and as you said, all the things that semiconductors control in this country could have uh, a, certainly a major effect on things, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd, Floyd Financial Group. We appreciate you joining us here on this fine Saturday morning. And once again, if you're listening to these fellows, I am amazed every week, Jake and Randy, at how much information that you have, not only about the financial world, but, you know, what's going on in the geopolitical landscape and how it really applies to the finances. And if you'd like someone like this on your team, you're listening to the program right now and you say, how can I get in touch with these guys and help them decipher what's going on in my portfolio? Well, we're offering a no-cost, no-obligation financial review from Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group. Just sort of a little meet and greet, get to know Randy and Jake, them to get to know you, and maybe just sort of review what you've got in terms of finances and see if we're heading in the right direction to get you closer to your hopes, your dreams, and your visions for retirement. To get yours, call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money after this, right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. If you want to retire anytime soon, there are three factors that will affect your finances. The stock market, the economy, and tomorrow's tax bill. No one knows what the future may bring, but we do know that now is the time to have a plan and people you can trust to help guide you. At Floyd Financial Group, we focus on those nearing or already in retirement for times just like these. We've seen the bumpy times before and we'll see them again. And we remain cautious and prudent for today, but optimistic about tomorrow. Ready for a heapin' helpin' of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about understanding your costs at retirement and, you know, kind of how they change, Jeff. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think, well, I when I get retired, look, I'm not going to be driving to work every day, so I'm not going to put the miles in the car. I'm not going to have the maintenance. I'm not going to have the gasoline costs. I don't have to dress to go to work. There's no lunches out. You know, it's I'm going to have a dramatically reduced cost of living in retirement. But really, that's just not the way it is. There's so many other hidden costs that come into play when you get into retirement. So let's talk about that a little bit. Is it really true, Randy and Jake, that your costs in retirement are going to be reduced? Or are they about the same? Or are they going to be more? How does it really work? I would say that that really depends on the person or the couple. I would say that costs go down probably 
20 or 30 percent of the time it just you uh-huh. know if you like to sit on the bank and fish with night crawlers and that's your idea of heaven your costs will probably go down but if you like to do anything that requires money you know <laughs> all of a sudden you have all this time on your hands yeah and even if what you like to do is relatively inexpensive having to do it 50 60 hours a week for the next 15 20 30 years it can be expensive you know you also have quite increased healthcare cost as you get older i think the numbers like 78% of all your healthcare costs comes in the last 10 right. years of life or something like that right and 56% of all statistics are made up on the spot right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, stuff, now yeah. it's now there's a again that's roughly the statistic i don't have that right here in front of me but healthcare cost is definitely a, a major thing you know you you do limit it somewhat by having you know Medicare, having a supplement, having drug card and things like that. But there's just a lot of things that are health related that you spend money on. But I would say for the average person, the cost moves doesn't become less or more. Mm-hmm. It's it's where you spend it that's a little bit different. But there are some windfalls like you don't pay any more Social Security tax, right? right. You don't pay FICA anymore. You're not funding your 401k anymore, which is kind of like a tax almost from a retiree standpoint, right? Because it's just simply money that you now get to spend that you were previously saving. So there's quite a few factors that reduce it, but your abundance of time and need to fill it, and especially if you have those great things called grandkids to spoil, oh, yeah. you know, you've got to right, right. you got to make sure that you're you're <laughs> you're doing it, not letting <laughs> falling down on the job on spoiling the grandkids. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, I I think those are some of the factors, but ultimately it varies person to person. And that's where, you know, having a good plan in place comes in. And part of that setting up that plan is you coming in and us discussing what's important to you. You know, what are the things you're concerned about? What are the things you like to do? And trying to put a pencil to, you know, the amount of income you're going to need and how that varies with retirement. Those are all things that we discuss in our first meeting. You know, just really trying to understand you as a person or as a couple. And then from there, we can go to the drawing board and come up with the plan to meet those needs. And I have seen a statistic that says, you know, when people are working, they spend the most money on Saturday. But, you know, when you're retired, every day is Saturday. So you're going to be going out to the hardware store. You know, I know guys have got a garage full of tools, but it's, you know, it's like we were talking about with bicycles. How many socket wrenches do you need or anything like that? Wobblies or whatever it happens to be, it's the number that you've got plus one. And, you know, you're just out buying things that you don't need because you just can do it. But I think, you know, when you get into retirement, the first thing that you want to plan out as far as expenses go, and I would think it's just a basic living cost, right? How much does it cost to keep the wolf away from the door, food, grocery items, transportation, emergency expenses, right? Absolutely. That's the first thing, Jeff, that has to come out of the budget because, you know, without those things, nothing else matters, right? Well, right, So yeah. we've, we've got to keep everything going and keep ourselves comfortable. But like Jake kind of alluded to, if you're funding your 401k, you know, you're going to have that money that you had didn't have before, plus the fact that Social Security you won't be funding anymore. And then also if you have a dividend income that comes in, depending on what tax bracket you're in and what type of dividend it is, you might not even be taxed on that income as well. So there's uh, some tax considerations to think about. And Social Security, the most of that you will ever be taxed on is 85% of whatever that gross number is per year. So let's say for a couple, you know, if you're talking about 50 or maybe $60,000 a year in Social Security income for a couple, you know, maybe only 48 to 50,000 of that's taxable. So you're saving a little bit of extra money there as well. So, you know, there's just several things to think about. 
there. But you're right. You know, when it comes to uh, just looking at budgets, the first thing we do is we say, hey, what's your bare bones budget? And then secondly, how much fun money do you want? And that's the one that people have to kind of scratch their heads and go, "Uh, let me think about that. Yeah. So they do. They come back with a number. One other thing I might add here is the fact that some people really are so anxious to get going that maybe that first year, two or three, they really want to spend a lot of extra money Mm. on travel and vacations and things of that nature and maybe it'll be a little less later so all those things factor in to how we set up income and what that's going to look like but i would say this as a general rule most people don't want to take a pay cut when they retire they want to stay about where they were well sure and you know i talk about the go-go years and the slow-go years and then the no-go years and in the beginning those are the go-go years you're healthy you've come off of working all these years hopefully you're healthy and that's the time you want to get out and do these fun things like you said i mean for for you i know you're not retired just yet but i mean you did a half iron man and you got bicycles that you got to buy and you've got travel expenses and so forth so we want to do all those things maybe we want to upgrade on the bass boat something like that a new shotgun for or hunting or whatever it happens to be and then you get into the slow go years where you don't want to do as much but you know you still want to do something and i would think that the income is sort of a i don't know sort of a bell curve thing because it's it's up here during the go go and then it sort of goes down a little bit during the slow go then it goes back up during the no-go years. And you were talking about healthcare expenses. And I've got a good friend of mine whose mother just passed, but she had Lou Gehrig's disease. And um, he certainly, God bless his heart, was able to provide the expenses that she needed to take care of her. And she wasn't ill for that long. I'm going to say maybe a year or so. But he spent $268,000 on her care. And I mean, she was lucky enough to have this friend of mine as a son to be able to do that. But for a lot of other people who do not have relatives who could do that, I mean, that's going to be on you to be able to take care of those health care costs. So would you say that when you do these uh, expenses and these plans, that health care costs, that's going to be one of the probably, tell me if I'm wrong, one of the most challenging things to fund? Oh, yeah, it is, no doubt. You have to look at what potential acute care things can happen, which, you know, for the most part, except for the drug costs, uh, and maybe for you know some really rare situations where you need experimental drugs or something, Medicare and supplements, you know, or Advantage plans are going to take care of the vast majority of that. But there are those things out there that you know you just can't predict, and that you might you know might want treatments that they don't cover and that sort of thing. But when we look at the other side of that, the long-term care, the chronic illness is the one that can really sneak up on us and really, uh, you know, be a long-term drag and effect on the budget, which is one of the reasons when we do planning here, we really don't look at planning from a perspective of we're going to spend your money down through retirement. What we really want to do is set up a plan that works and help you to spend, you know, some of your surplus or replace what you uh, spend, you know, by earnings on your investments. Now, obviously, we're we're in a downturn right now and we have been for the last 16 months and not everybody's positive right everybody's having a hard time right now but we plan for that as well that we're going to have downturns in the economy and what we look for is uh, building plans that will uh, withstand this and then be able to rally back and gain back and get into plus money again when the market turns around and it will but the biggest thing is we want to try to preserve that nest egg if we will to help us offset some of that cost of long-term care and then of course there's always different types of long-term care insurance plans and things that we can look at 
In fact, you know, it's one of the things that my wife and I are looking at right now is how do we insulate our lifetime uh, of savings and the stuff that we've acquired over our lifetime? How do we insulate ourselves from the cost of long-term care? And therefore, also insulate my family and you know their future looking forward. So uh, there's some pretty good plans available out there. Uh, some of the old type long-term care plans I don't care for much because they change. They're always moving. The premium's different. They want you to cut benefits to keep the premium low. All those things. We want to get into something, and we have these plans available now where you can set it, forget it, and know that it's there. And if you don't use it, it goes to your beneficiaries, which is one of the plans. I mean, not one of the plans we're considering. It is the plan we are going to do and put into place for us. So if people don't know about these plans, I would encourage them to give us a call. We'll walk you through the process. They're very, very good compared to what uh, we have seen in what I would call the nightmare of traditional long-term care plans. And we've talked before about the four ways to pay for long-term care. Of course, the first one's out of the hip pocket. Most people are not plumb to do that. As you've said before, then of course there are the long-term care plans. There's aid and attendance, which uh, you would have if you were a veteran during an active period of war. And then there's a fourth way to do that too. What is that one? So basically, you know, we can have Medicaid is one way to do that. Medicaid is an extension basically of Title 19, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Basically what it amounts to is uh, it was designed to be there for people who fell upon chronic illness later in life. Now the states don't really want you to have that money because Medicaid is funded about half by state and local taxes and then the other part is is federally funded. Right. And uh, the Fed oversees how Medicaid works in general, but the states have wiggle room. Mm -hmm. And so the state of Missouri just says, hey, we're going to make you clear some hurdles here before we give you access to Medicaid. So one of the things we can do here is help people understand that and how they may be able to tap into that if it's just not affordable for them to do long-term care insurance of some sort. And they still want the protection and try to protect, you know, the family farm or their home for their children. And on the topic of Medicare and Medicaid, there are a lot of things that Medicare doesn't pay for, particularly as we get a little older. Many of us have a little bit of a hearing loss, too. And I'm finding that uh, Medicare does not pay for hearing aids. And last time I checked, you know, they can be $3,000 for a pair of hearing aids, if not 4000 maybe even 5000 So don't think that Medicare is going to pay for everything. And if you do use Medicaid, Randy, I understand that, you know, when all is said and done, that Medicaid then can sort of come back on your estate to recoup the money that they have spent. Is that correct? That is correct. Without proper planning, that is exactly what will happen. The Medicaid will go out, the state of Missouri will go out and say, hey, we kept a tally uh, of what we spent on you. And hey, when you sell mom and dad's house, uh, they're going to have a TEFRA, that's T-E-F-R-A, that's short for the uh, tax equitability and financial responsibility act right basically what it is it's a lien that says hey the state gets their money ahead of anybody else so those are things to consider when you're considering how much money you're going to need in retirement and uh, you know as randy and jake said every day is going to be saturday when you're in retirement but certainly as you get later on in retirement health care costs are going to go up and uh, you know we have social security you did talk about taxes and uh, up to 85 percent of your social security can be taxed how do they figure how much of your Social Security that you would be taxed on, Randy? I mean, in what circumstance would it be 85%? What circumstance would it be nothing? Yeah, basically the way it works, Jeff, we figure what's called provisional income. So we take Social Security, we divide it in half, then we add on any other income that comes in from pensions, IRAs, 401ks, uh, rental income, all that sort of thing. We add it up. 
And for a married couple, if you are below $32,000 taxable income, you're basically going to pay zero on Social Security. If you're between 32 and 44, you're going to pay on 50% of your Social Security. If you're north of 44000 you're going to pay on 85% of your Social Security. And so basically, and for a single, it's like 24,000, 32,000. I don't have those numbers committed exactly to memory, but anyway, you get the idea. It's a, it's a graduated schedule. And so we just have to look at each person's situation and see what that taxability is going to be. And that also affects how and where we take income from many times. So if our listeners are hearing this today and they're uh, saying to themselves, I certainly would like to know how to plan for expenses in retirement. Very simple for you to get your comprehensive plan. Again, no cost and no obligation and certainly no judgment with Randy and Jake. 417-889-7233. Reserve your spot in the calendar today to sit down with Randy and Jake and let them put you on a path to a fruitful retirement, a a retirement in which you not only survive but thrive. 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Let's take a break, Randy and Jake. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Almost every day, people come to see me for a second opinion on their investment portfolios. Many times I ask, what brings you in today? Why are we here? Many tell me, Randy, I just can't open my statement. I can't take the stress. If this is you, know this, you're not alone. Many people are hurting and are very concerned during this pandemic and the effects on their retirement. At Floyd Financial Group, we can help take the stress out of opening your statement. Call us for a complimentary review or visit us online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money, and in this segment, we're going to be talking about Top reasons you might go broke in retirement. Da, 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 da. We don't That's that right. <laughs> David Letterman used to do that top 10 list. I can't guarantee there are going to be 10 of them here, but certainly there are going to be some good reasons why you may go broke in retirement. And, you know, we've said this before that that probably is the number one fear that people have, retirees, is running out of money in retirement. And, you know, it is legitimate fear. I have known people, my own older brother, as a matter of fact, ran out of money before he ran out of life. Unfortunately, uh, you know, my nephews uh, certainly have the ability to take care of them and take care of my uh, sister-in-law, but it is a big fear. So let's uh, talk about some steps that you can take to avoid that fate. You know, it's never too late to start to think about these, but let's first talk about some of the reasons that you may run out of money in retirement. The first one is that you take all your money out of stocks. Yeah, for sure. One of the biggest risks to, to people's retirement over the last few years, especially, is with interest rates being so low, uh, you know, people need to spend money off their retirement savings. Let's say right. you got a million bucks in your retirement account, Jeff, and you need to spend forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year out of there to live the retirement lifestyle you need. Well, while interest rates were 0.5 and 1, you're talking about getting somewhere between 5000 and 10000 a year, not 50000 Right. And so a lot of people were forced into taking more risk than they wanted. But here's the one thing I would say, taking all your money out, putting it all into, you know, fixed instruments back at those rates was a sure way to be sure you were going to deplete your capital. 
And some retirement experts say that you'll likely need at least some of your savings and stocks throughout retirement, and that's for diversification and growth. And I think some people may think, well, with the market the way it is, I mean, I'm going to take all my money and put it on the sidelines and cash and cash equivalents. But if I'm hearing you correctly, that having some money in the market is always a good thing. Right. And, and I guess what I would say, too, is what you really need to do is not just be knee-jerk reactive and say, well, you know, the market's bad, so I'm out. Well, now the market's good, so I'm in. People that follow that recipe always get out at the wrong time and get in at the wrong time. And that's been something that we have seen over and over uh, over the years, you know, because when everything's going straight up, up and everybody's excited, it's kind of like, for me, getting on the roller coaster. And you know how when you start at the bottom and it kind of tilts you back and it starts to go click, yeah. click, 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 click. <laughs> well, the closer I get to the top up there and I see the downhill side, I'm like, oh, my goodness, why did I do this again? <laughs> and my wife is over there chuckling, of course, next to me. And so uh, anyway, <laughs> they ride the roller coaster down. Then they're scared to death. And when markets do get good again, they can't get in because they're still yeah. afraid. And about the time they get over their fear, the market goes down again. They're ready to get back in at that point. So it's one of those things that they need somebody to help guide them through this process. And you really need a plan figured out that's going to work and factor in the ups and downs of the market. I think also, Jeff, to be clear, we don't think it's necessarily wrong to get out of the market when we can see harm coming. The big yeah. thing you have to have is you need to be acting ahead of it both mm -hmm. directions, meaning if things are going to get bad, you need to be protecting ahead of that time. Mm -hmm. And when things, are, when things are really bad is really when you want to be buying back in. Yeah. not waiting for it to get good again. And so I think the biggest thing is you need to have a plan for if you're going to get out, how are you going to get back in? Right. Because there's a lot of people that get out and just never get back in. Uh, or they, or like Randy said, they get in at the top just in time to lose money again. Right, right. And so having the plan in place where it's not so touchy-feely, it's not, well, you know, this scares me, so I'm going to run for the hills. Or you, you have to have kind of a, a set of rules that you abide by, uh, mm -hmm. because otherwise the emotion of investing will get the better of you. And I'd say that's probably one of our number one jobs here, yeah. I mean, if not the number one job, is to help take the emotion out of investing money for people. Because yeah. when it's your money, it's right. very difficult to take emotion out of it. Right. And I think that uh, investing in the stock market is uh, part science, but it's also part of an art form, too. And that's what you do so well at Floyd Financial Group is really look at the art, but look at the science of investing in the stock market. So I think we have decided that taking all of your money out of stocks is one of the reasons that people run out of money in retirement. But conversely, just like my brother, he invested too much money in the stock market. And that's where he lost his money. And then he took to, you know, falling prey to these uh, classes that teach you how to day trade and so forth. And any money that he had left, he lost it there too. So investing too much money in stocks also can't be good for you, right? Right, exactly. In fact, the thing that, that I would point out here is while, you know, markets traditionally have been up 70% of the time, it's that 30% downtime that can kill you. You're right. And, you know, for the longest time since the financial crisis back in 7, 8, and 9, when the market, the S&P 500, was around 666 points on March 2nd, 2009. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that was the low of the market. And since that time, here we are today at over yeah. 4,000 points today. So while it was hard to take that down there, I'm not saying people should sit on their hands and just take all the down, mm -hmm. uh, not being invested has been, 
equivalent with you know jumping off the Empire State Building seven times, and it's just <laughs> been not not good. So the other thing is, I would say this: that since that market was up for so long, it was the longest bull run we've ever had. Eleven years is what it was, and maybe a little more than that actually. It got to where people thought, well, here's what happens: we make money, we invest money in the market out of our paycheck, and it always goes up. Well. Not really. You know, it just, it, it, there, there's an end to everything. And the idea that investing is just, I can just throw money wherever I want it and it's going to produce and grow just doesn't make sense. Business doesn't work that way. I think the number, I haven't looked at it. Here's another one of those, another one of those statistics. I think, what is it, 75% of all businesses go out of business yeah. within five years of their, right. their founding. Right. So, you know, we just know that that's just not how business works. So, again, having a plan and understanding what you're doing, understanding the risk that you are taking, uh, and what's the potential for reward, I think, is key in any investing uh, uh, endeavor we take on. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group right here in Springfield, and we've been talking about reasons that you will run out of money in retirement. And again, their number, 417-889-7233. If you'd like to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake and talk about your individual situation and design a plan that will avoid you running out of money in retirement, again, 417-889-7233. The website is floydfinancialgroup.com. Another reason that people may run out of money in retirement, Randy and Jake, is that they just don't understand or they have underestimated their life expectancy. Now, my parents, uh, typically, particularly my mother and her side of the family, we could count on them despite their eating habits, living to be 80 years of age. And when I say despite their eating habits, you know, my mother from the South, so everything was breaded, everything was fried in grease and oil. Not only the chicken, but I mean, you'd go to the state fair, they had Twinkies that were breaded and fried you, in, in, in you oil. You say that too. like it's bad. Like Jeff. it's a bad thing, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, arteriosclerosis, uh, you know, over a period of time, managed to kick in, but myself. So I'm going, you know, hey, maybe I'll live to be 82, 83, something like that, because that's what my mom lived to be. And, you know, that's the way it's going to be. But, you know, here I am on this food program, got a nutrition coach and exercise and so forth. And who knows, I may go well into my 90s. So a lot of people underestimate their life expectancy. And really, that's something that's hard to plan for, or is it to have enough money that's going to last as long as you do? I think there's a lot of people that really think, Jeff, that they will not live that long. And statistically, you know, if you're 70 now, you know, the chances of you or your spouse hitting 90 or 95 is very high. Yeah. Um, you know, much higher than you would guess. And I think there's a lot of people that, like you said, went through life and they kind of looked at what happened to their parents. They're like, well, my dad died when he was 76, so maybe that's how long I'm going to live. Well, it's, it's fairly easy to make a retirement plan last 10 years, right, from 65 to 75. Yeah. But what if you're wrong? What if you live to 95? Yeah. Now you've got 30 years that you have to make this plan work for. And that's really where, you know, where we come in is really making sure that the practices that you have in place when it comes to your money are sustainable. And a lot of that comes down to how much money you're spending off of your money, Right. And withdrawing an appropriate amount of money is probably the number one concern you should have in retirement. How much is the appropriate amount? That depends on a lot of different factors. Right. It depends. We talked earlier in the show about front-loading retirement and spending more early. You have to understand that if you do that, you will have less later. Some people are okay with that, but if you're not okay with that, then, then maybe front-loading is not the right thing to do. And uh, I would say in most cases, it's probably not the right thing to do just because you don't really know how long you're going to be here. And, you know, 
when you're 90, if you run out of money, are you really going to go back and, and go back to work and no. to make ends meet? Of no, not. probably not. So I think really understanding each person and having that plan in place. I know we've said that already five times on the show, but yeah. you know, having that plan is really key. Yeah, I think the other thing to think about here, Jake, I should say, and you, you really kind of alluded to it without saying it, is mm-hmm. the money that you spend early on, the extra 10000 the yeah. 20000 the 50000 compounded with earnings over 25 or 30 years is a boatload of money. It's literally... 10 times in a lot of cases. So right. like, yeah, if you spend 20,000 now, it's costing you 200,000 later. And that's really not an exaggeration if you're talking about 30 years of growth and compounding. So mm-hmm. that's okay to do if it's that important to you, but you may want to look at it through that lens when you're when you're doing big purchases and things right after retirement. You know, you need to really understand what that's costing you. And that's something we can help you put a pen to, depending on what it is that you want out of retirement and what you want to do with your time in retirement. So again, that's that's all kind of part of the plan, and we will help you crunch all those numbers. And to that end, too, about spending too much in retirement, I mean, I live in a place where a lot of people are retired, and it seems that the first thing that a lot of guys do is uh, they buy a Corvette. And, you know, they're going, well, you know, shoot, back in the day when I wanted to, oh, sure, I can spend that five, $6,000 on that Corvette. Well, a new Corvette is like closer to $100,000. So spending too much uh, right up front in retirement, and as you said, if you just settle for something a little less and uh, you let that money compound, it could be worth a lot more than that Corvette in uh, 20, 30 years. Or maybe well, not. I don't know about that, though. And to be clear, if the Corvette is really that important to you, we will help you figure out All the right. best way to do that A is. place to get it. Um, But it's important to understand that that certainly 70 or 80,000, even in the basish model, that's costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars in retirement. Now, again, if it's if it is that important to you, that's fine. I I just think there's a lot of people that don't understand the repercussions of that purchase, especially if they just take IRA money out, take a 401k, they pay all the taxes on it. So now instead of 80, it's you know, 110, 115 after taxes, uh, then you got to put tags on it. So, right. so you're pulling out, you know, $120,000, you know, that's going to cost you six or $700,000 over the course of your retirement. Again, right? maybe it is that important to you. I, I think most people, it's not that important to them once they really understand what it's going to cost them. Or maybe it's something where you buy it, you know, you're able to make payments on it. Again, that's not a real attractive option today's no. interest rates, but but when you could do it at 0% interest, you do that, you keep it a couple of years, you sell it. It's a minimal expense. Yeah. You're probably bored of the car anyway. So there's a lot exactly. of ways to kind of, there's a lot of ways to handle that. And, you know, that's one of our, that's one of the things we'll talk about at your complimentary review. That's right. If you like your complimentary review, call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. Again, a chance to sit down with Randy and Jake, talk about your individual situation. And again, no cost, no obligation. Certainly, most importantly, there is no judgment. We all put our pants on the same way, one leg at a time. And Randy and Jake understand that. 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. If you want to retire anytime soon, there are three factors that will affect your finances. The stock market, the economy, and tomorrow's tax bill. No one knows what the future may bring, but we do know that now is the time to have a plan and people you can trust to help guide you. 
At Floyd Financial Group, we focus on those nearing or already in retirement for times just like these. We've seen the bumpy times before and we'll see them again. And we remain cautious and prudent for today, but optimistic about tomorrow. To request a complimentary consultation, visit floydfinancialgroup.com. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the threat of recession. And we've been talking about the threat of recession here. Boy, guys, I think it's been like a year or so, and it hasn't happened yet. Some people think, well, it's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen the next day. It may happen later on. But nobody really knows when the recession is going to happen. Is it a foregone conclusion, though, that we are going to have a recession, or you think we can get by without one? I think technically when we look back at it, um, you know, a year from now, we're going to see that we're we're currently in recession right now. Um, Okay. As we see earnings come out this following week, so it's earnings season again, we're going to start to see, we're going to see companies probably posting, there's going to be a lot of companies posting even record earnings because they've fired so many people. Right. Right. So if you simply have less cost of employing people and you're doing the same business, you're going to have big profits. However... If you don't have enough people to fill orders, enough people to distribute things, enough people to answer the phones, enough people to do all these things, that will have repercussions, not immediately, but it will down the line. And so I think we're going to see while they post these big earnings beats, they're also going to be issuing guidance, meaning what they're going to say, what we're going to do next quarter, what we're going to do the next year. That's called guidance. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see guidance go down a lot over this earnings season as we start to get closer to the recession. Again, I think we're technically in one, but by definition, it's impossible to see in a recession when you've entered it because it's a lagging indicator. You have to wait for the data to confirm right. that you're in a recession. So, But I think that we'll see we're already in one. We will also see that interest rate policy you know, is probably sufficiently tight enough if we stay at these levels of interest rates that, you know, it's going to restrict the economy enough to fix the inflation problem. As we talked about earlier in the show, the Fed funds futures, meaning the the predictions of what the interest rates are going to be, are pricing in one more rate hike of 25 basis points Uh and then nine straight cuts. Wow. So immediately after, not stay there a little bit, but immediately start cutting. I think that that is probably not right. But so far, the Fed funds futures have been more right than what the Fed's guidance have has been this entire time. So markets are efficient. They price in the most likely outcome a lot of the time. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I think the notion that we're going to be immediately cutting rates here is probably mm-hmm. not going to happen. Now, what may happen is we may <clears throat> wait a little bit and then cut more aggressively, ending up at the same point. But I think that the idea that we're going to be cutting rates in, in late June, I think, is probably a little bit early. You know, one thing I should throw out here too, Jeff, is the fact that as money comes in the door here at Floyd Financial Group, and I'm sure this is the same across the country, I would say 75 to 80% of all the money we see today is coming in from qualified retirement plans, meaning 401ks, 403bs, 457s, and those sorts of things. What is the underlying asset class that most of those hold? Well, it's called a mutual fund. 
Mm-hmm. And inside those mutual funds are groups of managers, in- institutional investors, people that invest for a living. And those people are currently of the mind that the forward-looking earnings for corporations is going to be hard. They also think that the current price-earnings ratio is still slightly too high. So I just don't see how the market runs away from here at this point until we get some some things realigned. And if earnings do suffer, that means that stocks are going to continue to suffer. And so more and more people will be continuing to push toward fixed income here of late, at least short-term fixed income, and maybe even some long-term because they know that as rates do come down and markets start to correct, uh, they will get appreciation as those yields start to slide in the future. So we're at a really precarious point here. It's going to be interesting to watch what happens on several fronts, not just the financial front, but the whole geopolitical scene that's unfolding out there before us. It's going to get quite interesting. I think maybe one of the most interesting things, Randy, is, you know, for a long time, because of interest rate policy, bad news has always been good news. And what do we mean by that? It means that if we get bad news, meaning less jobs created, you know, retail sales down, earnings down, uh, whatever it may be, it's good news because the Fed will be less restrictive in their policy, meaning they will take the break off the U.S. economy. So if things get bad enough, the Fed will stop laying on the break. And so we're starting to see the shift between bad news is good news to bad news is just bad news. Mm -hmm. So last week, uh, or about a week ago, we saw the first jobs report that was way less than it had been the previous several months, meaning new jobs created was a lot less than it had been. So that's technically, in a normal economy, bad news. And so on that kind of news, six months ago, the market would have been up 3% on the day because they assume that the Fed is going to back off. But now they're like, well, even if the Fed backs off, we're still in recession. So we're starting to see the shift in the way the market is interpreting data. And I think that's a good thing because it means we're one step closer to the end of this cycle, to where we can go and start to make money again. You know, I can promise you, and I'm sure there's some people on this show listening that are getting impatient with this market. And I can promise you that we are very impatient I'm with one this of market. Them. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, too. I'm tired of waiting around. Right. But discretion is the better part of valor right now. You know, the only reason the market is not significantly lower is because all the big money hedge funds are betting it's going to go lower. And because of that, it's propping the market up because they're not buying the way they would be. Therefore, the market cannot fall in the way that it should be. And so at some point, there will be too much water in the bucket, right? And it will start to spill over. And when it does, it's going to dump. And so that's coming. How far that goes, I'm not going to speculate on that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly when that's going to happen. But like Randy said, I think the best case scenario right now, if you're in the stock market, is we kind of hold our own here and we trade in a range, which is why we have quite a bit of money, you know, earning 4.7% in a money market account right now inside of our models because I want to get paid to wait. I don't want to just wait and, and not make any money. So, however, that day will come sooner than we think probably because right now it looks like you know i don't know five years ten years you know it might finally get better again it's going to happen way sooner than that where where things are going to start looking negative when things really start to look negative that's really when we want to start thinking about buying and really getting long back up the truck on some of these stocks that are way too cheap so that when the next leg comes we're just that much better off for it so again 
bear with us. I know it feels like it's been forever. And, yeah. And trust me, it feels like it's been forever to us yeah. too. The other side of this is coming, and it's going to be very, very good. But a lot of the timing is going to depend on this Taiwan thing, and that could that could throw a little wrench in the works. But it could also usher in the end of the down faster and get us back on track sooner. So we'll see how it all plays out. But the fact that bad news is no longer good news is a step in the right direction because that means we're one step closer in the cycle to getting to the other side where we can go all in again. Well, I'm with you, uh, Randy. I mean, I can't wait for this to be over. You know, we had that bull run there for 11 years, and now we've had this bear hanging around for quite some time, and it's time for it to be over with. If we have decided, and I don't know if we've actually decided that we're already in recession, but it sounds like that we've decided that we are the big question for most people. And again, we don't have a crystal ball, at least one that works. When's it going to be over? When are we going to get back to some sort of normality? And if you don't have the four to five or six years for it to get back to some sort of normality what do we do do we just keep all the money in the safe investments but you said they're going to be interest rate cuts so i'm just as confused as a lot of people out there yeah that's a good question jeff i will uh, say this about the normal life thing you may remember the movie called tombstone yeah had val kilmer you know in there and kurt russell Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end, toward the end there, when Val's about to pass away in, in the sanatorium there, he asks Kurt Russell, says, what do you want out of life, Wyatt? He said, I don't know, just to live a normal life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember what he said? He said, there is no normal life. There's just life, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's kind of where we are in the scheme of this thing. You know, every day is a little bit different. We have so much geopolitical pressure right now as well as not only externally with what's going on in the world, we're just about to enter the next presidential campaign here coming up with inflation and all the things that are going on. So, you know, here's what I will say. More than ever, more than ever, what you need is a plan and someone at the helm that's looking down the road, Mm -hmm. reading the signs. Not that it's going to be perfect. There is no such thing. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, somebody that's reading the signs that's been there before and then goes, oh, you know, I recognize that sign. That means no left turn, right? Right. Uh, so that's going to be more important than ever looking forward. And, you know, Jake and I have been doing this a long time. We've seen a lot of stormy weather. Uh, not that we have all the answers. We don't. But one thing I can assure you of, we're at the helm every day. We're looking at it. We're figuring out where the next best move is. Like Jake said, while 4.7% is not a return that I would just say is wonderful, Right now, while we're waiting for the storm to pass, to make a little money on our money in a safe way, which is what we're doing for a lot of our clients, I think is a very good place to be. And we will be ready when the market turns, and so will all of our clients. So take each day as it comes, and the way to hedge your bet against uh, things going south or to give yourself the best chance of success, of course, is to have a plan that accounts for these sort of markets. Once again, listening to the program today, you know no cost, no obligation, no judgment for your financial plan with Randy and Jake. I mean, these are tumultuous times. Why wouldn't you want to sit down with Randy and Jake and talk about your individual situation and design that'll get you to retirement, through retirement, a retirement in which you not only survive, but you also thrive. It's quite simple. Call 417-889-7233 to get your plan. 417-889-7233. Do it today, won't you? You can also request that plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. 
Gentlemen, we are out of time for this week. I thank you for your time, but most of all, I want to thank the fine people here, the last bastion of sanity, Springfield, Missouri, for joining us. For Andy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out and have a great day in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. <laughs>